The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Jason Bradbury. Welcome to the 11th AV Forums podcast. In this episode, as well as the usual home cinema, DVD and gaming news, we review Pitch Black on HD DVD and take a close look at the new Bond collection special edition DVDs. For gamers, we review Prey for the PC and Xbox 360, plus we speak with Roger Batchelor from Denon about the company's latest products and plans for the future. This week's... Audio-visual news. Heading up our podcast news this time is the launch by Hitachi of a new high-value range of flat-panel TVs. Dubbed the 8000 series, the range comprises three models, two LCD TVs and one plasma. The plasma model is to be the 42-inch 42PD8700, and what's particularly exciting about it is that despite costing around £1,400, it claims to have a native resolution of 1080 lines, a perfect match for the 1080i high-definition format being broadcast by Sky HD. It achieves this eye-catching resolution via the latest version of Itachi's innovative alternate lighting of surfaces technology. Known affectionately as ALICE, this technology employs a unique arrangement of electrodes and phosphors in the plasma panel to effectively double the number of horizontal picture lines in the image. Although the 42PD8700 isn't the first TV we've come across claiming a 1080 line resolution, it's certainly the cheapest. The two LCDs both enjoy a native resolution of 1366 by 768 but the 32-inch panel enjoys higher claim contrast and brightness specifications, while the 37-inch boasts something called in-plane switching, which aims to deliver a wider viewing angle. Features common across all three 8000 models, meanwhile, include built-in digital tuners, PC connectivity, and single HDMI jacks. Also registering on our home cinema radar this month are two brand-new mid-range home cinema receivers from Onkyo. Around £400 will get you the TX-SR604E, which, despite its reasonable price, offers 7.1 channel audio, along with genuine HDMI switching. But Onkyo seemed keen to persuade you to fork out a bit more for the TX-SR674E, which, for an extra 100 quid, offers improved chassis rigidity, enhanced internal components, and better construction materials than those in the cheaper model. The SR674E sports two HDMI inputs, compatible with 720p, 1080i and 1020p signals, as well as one HDMI output. The receiver can also upconvert signals from composite, S-video and component inputs to HD for delivery via the HDMI output. This adds up to a level of HDMI sophistication that's rare indeed at this sort of price point. Both receivers also employ the Odyssey 2EQ Automatic Room Setup and Correction System. The 604 is available now, and the 674 is due later this month. If all this talk of big screens and powerful receivers is just too much for you, then allow us to introduce you to a rather cool new pocket-sized friend. LG's MFJ M53 is a portable media player that's a heck of a lot sexier than the mouthful that is its title. 
For starters, the thing looks simply gorgeous with a smooth black and silver finish, tiny dimensions and oh so cute little screen. In fact, it's so hip it's already scooped the prestigious Red Dot Design Award. But the beauty is much more than skin deep. For starters, the MFJ M53 somehow manages to squeeze 8GB of memory into its 48x14mm body. That's enough to hold around 4,000 songs. It's not just a music device though, as it can also store MPEG-4 movies and JPEGs and play them back for up to 4 hours on a single charge. What's more, the screen uses cutting-edge OLED technology to deliver a brighter, crisper picture and it can be viewed from a wider angle than a standard LCD screen. If the MFJ M53 sounds a bit too high spec for you, then you might want to hold out for LG's MFF M30, an even smaller media player due towards the end of the year that reduces the onboard memory to 2GB but retains a 1.7-inch OLED screen. LG hasn't confirmed if this insanely tiny gadget will come with built-in homing signal to remind you which pocket you left it in. But we live in hope. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening to the AV Forums Podcast. Do you want to leave comments about the AV Forums Podcast? Is this a trick question? Are you sick of typing away in the feedback forum? Hey, I've had it up to here with this place. Well, why not use the new AV Forums interactive answer service to leave your comments and suggestions? Impressive. Just dial the number 0208 123 9587. Listen to me very carefully. Listen to the instructions and then wait for the beep. Now just tell us your name and leave your comments. It's easy. I don't know. If you made a mistake, don't worry. We say what you got wrong and we'll fix it later on. Then just hang up. Please continue. So what are you waiting for? Dial the number 0208 123 9587 and leave your feedback, suggestions, comments and questions. It's so beautiful. The AV Forum's interactive podcast feature. Why not use it now? The AV Forum, Forum. DVD News and Review Roundup with Phil Hinton. In this edition's DVD news, it's all quiet on both the Region 2 and Region 1 front due to the summer breaks. There are, however, a handful of exciting releases coming in the months ahead. As we mentioned in Podcast 10, X-Men 3 The Last Stand has been slated for an October 3rd release. The DVD will feature an extensive array of special features, as well as a super-wide 240-1 transfer and Dolby Digital EX sound. We also told you to expect an extended edition of King Kong way back in podcast number two. And finally, the details have been announced for the three-disc DVD set. Landing on the 14th of November, the set looks like being the complete definitive version with a host of extras announced. However, sadly, at this moment in time, there's no mention of a DTS soundtrack. And staying with extended editions, on December 12th, we will be treated to the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe extended edition, which will boast four discs full of new special effects shots and an extended climatic battle. Sadly, the kids still survive. Optimum Home Entertainment has announced the UK Region 2 DVD release of the Wicker Man 3-disc collector's edition for the 4th of September. 
The set will include the theatrical cut on disc 1, the director's edition on disc 2, with a CD soundtrack on the third disc. And it's time to get those CB radios out of the loft, as Convoy yet again arrives on UK DVD in a single disc edition from Optimum Home Entertainment. The 70s classic will unfortunately only arrive on a bare bones disc, but will retail for the reasonable price of $12.99. And finally, the critically acclaimed film noir thriller Brick will land on UK Region 2 DVD on the 18th of September. Following a high school loner who finds out the girl he loves is dead, we enter the murky underworld of drugs and gangsters as he searches for the answers to who and why she was killed. You can find all the latest DVD news and more in-depth reports on all our featured stories at avplay.com. This week's DVD Reviews. They say most of your brain shuts down in cryosleep. All but the animal side. Guess that's why I'm still awake. Now released on HD DVD, Pitch Black, the prequel to the Chronicles of Riddick, is set on a barren planet after our hero ship is forced to crash land. Amongst the crew and passengers is Riddick, a convicted serial killer who is being transported to a penal colony. Unbeknownst to them, underneath the surface, are aliens which will kill without reason or hesitation, but are unable to live on the surface as light severely hurts them. However, due to a planetary alignment, a complete solar eclipse is about to commence. If they want to leave the planet, they have to make a trip across the surface to a scout ship in complete darkness. Proving the adage that prequels are, for the most part, usually superior to sequels, this is no different. Parallels with aliens are inevitable, but they're very different beasts indeed. While there's no scares to be had here, there is a few moments of gore, hence the rating. But it also has to be said that Vin Diesel has never been better since. The HD version boasts a superb transfer, which is spotless as well as having some nice deep black levels. Sound is good, although it's a surprise that they didn't include a DTS soundtrack as they did with the sequel. But that being said, this has clear dialogue and very deep bass. Fans of the movie won't need a recommendation, but for those who have not seen this movie, it's well worth picking up. And this HD DVD disc scores a solid 7 out of 10. This week's DVD Reviews James Bond DVDs have never been lacking in features. In fact, many of them come with so many extras, you would think that Q had personally equipped them. The most recent Bond films, from Licence to Kill onwards, have also been blessed with crisp picture and 5.1 digital surround sound. The older films, however, have been less than perfect in these departments, even though picture and sound were transferred using the best available facilities at the time, and every effort was made to make the extras as comprehensive as possible. So, not a penalty being ones to disappoint, MGM has spent the last two and a half years undertaking a full picture restoration and digital 5.1 sound mix on all 20 of the Bond films, under the expert supervision of film restorer John Lowry. Scrutinising 42 miles of film, digitally removing 37 million pieces of dirt and 74,000 hairs in the gate, 
it's not a job that would suit anyone. But John Lowry, former NASA film restorer and founder of Lowry Digital Images, was in his element restoring the Bond films for this ultimate DVD collection. A two and a half year process requiring 600 Apple computers with a combined storage capacity of 700 terabytes. So, with that in mind, was it worth all this effort? Well, having looked at several of the new releases, they have benefited greatly from the restoration process, with dust and dirt specs clearly removed and looking as good as some of the latest movie releases. I will be honest and say that I found the new 5.1 mixes a tad gimmicky. Take for example even a recent release such as License to Kill. The mix sounds a little flat in terms of dynamics compared to a properly recorded and mixed 5.1 soundtrack. Yes, there's separation and so forth, but it just didn't sound quite right. But these discs aren't just about new transfers and soundtracks. A lot of effort has been put into the extra features as well. Since he first saw a Bond film at the age of 11, John Cork has devoted his life to 007. Founder of the Ian Fleming Foundation and author of James Bond, The Legacy and Bond Girls Are Forever, Cork was the natural choice for MGM as they prepared the James Bond Ultimate DVD collection. One of the biggest coups that Cork managed for the release of these DVDs was getting Roger Moore to add a commentary track to all seven of his Bond movies. Cork states that Moore didn't do a shot-by-shot commentary, which so often can be somewhat boring, but he really used it as a forum to tell stories from the entire span of his career, to talk about his experiences as an actor in England, and of course to talk about Bond in a way that he thinks is more intimate than he has ever done before. So, is this new collection worth it? Well, you can either purchase the whole set in a nifty attache case, or you can buy your favourites individually. But to be quite frank, if you're a Bond fan, you won't see a better version until possibly the HD DVD or Blu-ray versions. These releases are highly recommended. Bond. James Bond. Pray for the PC and Xbox 360 allows gamers to control Tommy, a Cherokee Indian who is disillusioned with his heritage and wants to leave the reservation ASAP. The only thing stopping him is his girlfriend, Jen. Sounds a little bit like my life. The game opens in a bar with Tommy's grandfather bending his ear about his heritage and how he has to fulfil his destiny when an alien spaceship descends and starts teleporting people up. Again. It's a lot like my life. You're then effectively put on a conveyor belt, not too dissimilar to Half-Life's monorail trip, until you manage to get free. Of course, being the multi-dimensional person you are, your first thoughts are to rescue your girlfriend. But Tommy soon finds out that there are bigger things at stake than Jen. So what we have is a pretty standard third-person shoot-em-up. Well, sort of. In a bid to distance itself from the other million or so third-person games, there's a couple of innovations. The first is the use of portals, which are used to walk players to distant locations. These can appear on the sides of boxes or gates that seem designed for this sort of thing. In one instance, a portal appears in which you're facing yourself, which is not a good time to be trigger-happy. 
The second innovation is gravity. Not just normal gravity, but shifting. So that one minute you're walking on the floor, the next the ceiling. Of course, with the story rooted in the Native American mythos, it's given that you have some powers along those lines. One of which is spirit walking, where you leave your body and go walk about as Spectre. This is needed to solve some of the puzzles along the way. So what's the game like? Well, it uses the Doom 3 engine, so it looks extremely good indeed. The aliens look the part, and the biomechanical ship looks fantastic. The layout of the game maps is much better than in Doom 3, so it's definitely a case of substance over style. The problem remains that it's yet another 3D shooter, albeit one that's very slick. While Wolfenstein and Doom were a breath of fresh air way back in the day when they were first released, it seems now that not a month goes by without another 3D shooter being released. So no scores for originality, but nevertheless, Prey will not disappoint. So it gets a healthy 7 out of 10. The highest definition. 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 This is the AV Forums Podcast. Denon has long been a driving force in the development of home cinema products and continues alongside Yamaha as a company who still produce the ultimate in integrated amplifiers and upscaling DVD players. Phil Hinton caught up with Roger Batchelor, product manager from Denon UK, to talk about Denon past, present and future. The AV Forums podcast special feature. Welcome, Roger, and thanks for joining us. Hi. Kicking off with a doozy of a question, what are your views on the HD DVD versus Blu-ray format war? Well, of course, it's a shame that um, there we have this uh, conflicting situation between two formats. Um, so we're following it very closely. Our engineers are following it very, very closely. We have options to produce either or both formats, and obviously they'll be looking at the various options with you know, the possibilities, shall we say, of universal players in the longer term. But in the shorter term, um, our policy is going to be to pursue the best possible performance from the current format uh, using the technologies that we have in our, in our players at even lower price points this year. Uh, bearing in mind, that, of course, people have got large libraries of, uh, of existing discs and many, many discs being released every, on a weekly basis. So it's going to take a while, of course, for the new formats to, to grow in terms of the software availability. What are Denon's plans for high-definition DVD then? Well, um, in, we are looking at the possibilities of, um, of universal players, uh, but it's only really at the discussion point at this time and whether you know the technical feasibility uh, of that kind of thing. But that's very much in, in the longer term. Um, at this point in time, uh, we'll not be at the forefront of uh, either Blu-ray or HD DVD. Um, what we're in fact doing is, is launching new models uh, with the HQV uh, technology uh, built in, the, the, the Denon pixel image correction circuitry, um, the silicon optics processing uh, to get the very best quality from existing DVDs. Bearing in mind, of course, that a lot of the titles that um, are coming out now, movies and also quite a number of music titles are being shot with high-def cameras. And when you play those uh, those discs back in something like our flagship player at the moment, um, you can get stunningly good results to the point where people have often thought that it is high def that they're seeing. 
So we're going to continue in that path for the foreseeable future. And then, of course, uh, later on this year, this time next year, we'll be in a better position to, to say how the new formats will be shaping up from a commercial point of view. Den and caters for all budgets with the DVD 1720 DVD player at just over £100 on the internet mm. and also your £2,500 model. How is the UK market distributed between the budget and high-end kit? Well, to give you some indication, uh, we have around 60 approved uh, what we call Denon THX dealers <clears throat> nationwide who are sort of covering the higher end. Then we have just over 400 independent dealers nationwide. So it gives you some idea of, of the spread in terms of distribution. Of course, in addition to those independents, there are a, a much wider distribution for a handful of products like some of the mini systems through stores like John Lewis, House of Fraser, Curry's and Comet and those sort of people. So, um, of course, the, the higher end is more specialized but um, and the volume is therefore not so great. But um, that gives you some indication, perhaps, of the sort of sell-through. How have um, sales of higher end kit been recently? Has the market been growing? It has actually, um, yes, and I think partly due to the increase in the custom installation market, so as well as the um, in, in enthusiasts who are buying and setting up their own kit, um, there's been quite a, a, a significant growth with uh, dealers who are installing for you know custom installs. Denon seem to be following the latest mobile AV trends. Um, can you tell us what the Denon ESD-1R is? Yeah, that's uh, a Denon dock for the iPod. And um, it's something, of course, we've integrated iPod connectivity with a number of, uh, of our products. And it, as it's a very popular source for, for people storing their music, perhaps some people using it as a music server, some people using it uh, perhaps having several in the household. ASD1R is a universal dock control um, with a system connector. So you can use it with any of the dock, uh, iPods from third generation or, or later. And the adapters are either supplied with it or you can use some of the Apple adapters to make sure it works. Um, it will work uh, with a number of our mini systems whereby the remote control of the mini system will, will operate it. It has a built-in circuitry to get the best out of the iPod in terms of audio quality. You can use it with any hi-fi, but if you use it with um, some of the dental mini systems or some of the new AV receivers like the AVR2807, there's a dock control on the back of the product which in, gives you remote control capability. And in the case, of course, of um, the 2807, you can route the S-video cable through the amplifier or direct to a TV screen in, in any case, and you can then control your iPod from the, the on-screen display. Denon's one of the last companies to continue with flagship uh, integrated amplifiers. Why do you think that is, and is the market changing in this respect? Well, I think um, it's not really changing for us because, again, coming back to the custom install market, that's maintaining uh, a fair level of growth. Uh, within the marketplace, as well as the, the you know, conventional retail sector. Um, I guess we have a strong following in that uh, area, so that perhaps a little bit of a niche for us compared to some of the big companies, the big corporate companies who are producing a wider range of products. They're doing displays and projection devices and, and TVs and so on and so forth. Um, so I think we have a name um, in that market, and that's that's probably why. We've just received information about your new flagship amplifier, the £4,800 Denon AVC A1XVA, which is quite a bit of a mouthful. Mm. That's a pretty hefty price. What makes the amp worth that much? Well, um, in addition to the, 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 the existing features, of course, of the A1XV, um, 
the 10 channels, which is what the X stands for, and the V stands for fifth generation since the original ABCA1 of uh, many years ago. But you have four zone capability, lots of power, of course, THX certification, Odyssey calibration, auto setup and calibration. But the additional 800 pounds for the, for the upgrade um, board for the um, 850 pounds for the upgrade or um, 4,800 pounds for the new model. Um, there's actually a list of about 10 new features. You get um, three additional HDMI inputs, so future proofing um, for switching more and more high definition devices, HDMI switching capability up to 1080p, uh, video scaling for analog sources from anything from composite up to component can be scaled up to 1080p to more closely match your, your DVD high definition sources, DVD A1XV, Sky HD and things like that. Um, <clears throat> and um, in terms of um, analog to, to digital conversion, of course, IP um, conversion as well. Ethernet ports on the back uh, with um, Capability for web radio. The browser is actually built in. We've worked with a technology company in Europe to develop this. So there's a, a web browser built in, and that enables you to go direct to radiodenon.com, pick up radio 2,500 plus radio stations worldwide. PC control, so you can operate the amplifier, make adjustments via your PC, or more to the point, the installer can do it for you and lock the settings back up the settings in the amplifier because it takes obviously a little while to set up. So you can back up all your settings onto a PC. Uh, home networking, audio streaming from a PC, uh, Crestron control and AMX control via the Ethernet port, things like that. Uh, the new 12-bit um, video DA converter built in. You know, you've got uh, a lot of capability, a higher level of performance with the Faruja. Uh, chip on the board as well. So uh, we'll be posting details about all this, of course, fairly shortly on our website. How will the AMP work with HD, DVD and Blu-ray, given the, the issues of copy protection and the AMP's ability to upscale every input to 1080p? I.e., does it convert HDMI input to 1080p component output? Uh, no, it doesn't do that. Um, basically, if you've got a high-definition source, you're better off with Sky HD, for example, leaving that at its... Uh, highest resolution as it comes, like 1080i, for example. Um, but what you can do, of course, is convert um, your analog sources, as I said, up to 1080p to more closely match your high-definition sources. Um, so um, that's the, the main benefit with it, and, of course, um, the um, capability with dealing with the, the audio source, which... Um, you know, it's a separate issue. And following on from there, does this new flagship have uh, Dolby HD and DTS HD decoding on board? Uh, not on board. Um, this is something that you'll be able to um, to do via the analog uh, inputs initially um, for Dolby HD and DTS HD because the decoding will be built into the players. Um, eventually, of course, that may be a possibility for an upgrade uh, somewhere down the line. At this stage, though, what you can do is you can output um, Dolby Digital Plus, which, of course, is one of the options for HD. Um, you'll be able to output that in PCM format, and a number of our amplifiers, the A1XVA is certainly one of them, that will accept the um, signal, 7.1 signal via PCM via the HDMI connection, and you'll be able to de decode it that way. And just to wrap up on the sound part of things, um, Denon's never released a, a processor, yet there's, there are many in the custom market at the moment and high-end market from the likes of Lexicon and Rotel and so on. Has Denon ever considered releasing a, a processor only? 
Um, we have done, actually. I mean, going back to the original THX range from 1996, our first THX, in fact, the world's first THX 5.1 product was uh, the AVPA1 processor. We then moved into integrated amps, um, but there, ha there have been some concept products shown, a uh, full digital system with... Uh, processor and, and power amplifiers, and these have, have, have remained concepts for the moment. Um, the engineering resources have been put into more commercial uh, areas of, of products, but uh, we, you know, we wouldn't rule out the possibility at some point in the future. Denon has a policy of not permitting retailers to distance sell its high-end kit. What do people who live, say, in remote rural areas or who are physically unable to travel to a local retailer, how do they go about purchasing high-end uh, kit from Denon? Yeah, well, they should contact their nearest THX dealer, who may well be also a custom installed dealer in, in many cases. But either way, they should contact their nearest THX dealer. There's about 60 of them around the UK. And most of those dealers can deliver, install, and maintain the product uh, for them. Those dealers um, receive special training from Denon in terms of the product and so on. So and the back full backup, of course, uh, from Denon as well. So that's, uh, that's the approach. How has the growth in the internet uh, affected Denon in the UK? Well, obviously, I think like everybody, a, a much greater flow of information and, of course, at the same time, misinformation. Um, but, of course, we have uh, a lot of direct feedback from owners. We have uh, through the dealers, uh, which is, of course, the first point of contact for the customer, uh, but also direct feedback via email and so on. So we're getting uh, a good level of information through, and we can then respond to that and perhaps uh, clarify some of the points that people are confused about. We obviously have our uh, very own Denon um, owners forum on the mm. forums. Is this a, a regular stop-off for you on your daily uh, routine? For me personally, uh, I, can't, I must admit it's not on, on the daily basis, um, it isn't. My colleagues keep a very close eye on it uh, on a daily basis, uh, my product support man in particular, uh, and, I, and he'll highlight things for me and I'll, I'll have a look at them, just to, depending on our schedule, you know, when we're, pre we're always preparing for the next event or, or the show. So I would say I'm, I'm on there, you know, perhaps once a week, something like that, just keeping a check on what's going on. And finally, Roger, what plans does Denon have for the next 12 months going on to the next 24 months then? Well, I uh, mentioned earlier new DVD players with the HQV technology from Silicon Optics. Um, so that's something very much a philosophy for us is maintaining best quality with current DVD format. In addition to that, uh, of course, we're involved in, in many other areas as well as AV, um, in particular home systems, which are very popular stereo systems. And we have a new... Uh, system coming in, a stereo system with hard disk, uh, CD drive, home networking capability. So that can um, stream audio from a PC, you can load all your music into it, create play playlists, use an iPod dock and, and, and so on. And also we're going to expand our what we call smart series, which is a, a range of products for made designed to be as easy to use as possible for the non-enthusiast type. Of customer. We're going to expand that range with some stereo products as well as uh, the existing uh, 2.1 surround product. Roger, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on the AV Forums. My pleasure. Contact the AV Forums podcast. Email podcast at avforums.com. If you'd like to leave us feedback on any item within this podcast or just add your views on the topics featured, then please make use of our feedback forum at www.avforums.com or take advantage of our new interactive feedback feature. 
Just call 0208 123 9587 and leave your comments on the answer machine. Who knows, you might even hear your own voice on our next podcast. That wraps up the 11th AV Forms podcast. This is Jason Bradbury saying thanks for listening. Stay subscribed and tell your friends. The AV Forums podcast was presented by Jason Bradbury and written by John Archer. The DVD News and Reviews Roundup was written and presented by Phil Hinton with gaming news written by Damon Dove. Original music by Andrew Bassett. The podcast was produced and mixed by Phil Hinton and the executive producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Forums podcast is copyright M2N Limited. <laughs>